0: Thanks for that, it's it's, uh, great to be with you once again and happy Mother's Day to all the mothers great day of celebration and uh, celebrating all that is is good about uh, what it is to be a mum and also a child of a mum (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I know that uh, next week there's going to uh, be a a time in the service where I'm going to catch you up on um, Sophia Think Tank and and, uh, what's happening with Bible Society and uh, and what I'm doing uh, for them at the moment so I look forward to that. Uh, on the home front, uh, it's uh, it, it's wonderful. Um, this is a weekend, of course, when uh, uh, various aspects of our family are all gathered together. We've uh, moved to muralbark since uh, I was with you, so we're going further and further out. When I started here, we lived in the city and then Ringwood East, and now we're out in the country. And uh, the, um, the, the beautiful view we have, and we um, have a couple of... Uh, um, Porches out the back that look out over the Dandenongs, and it's uh, we, we get the same view actually that we had in the city, <coughs> but a lot closer. <laughs> in the city, we could see the three towers from our apartment window, and uh, from Bark of course, we're just about under the three towers, so it's it's um, it's very nice. Um, but we got some wonderful news just yesterday from our our son, uh, who uh, uh, lives in America, lives in Florida. And uh, they skyped us and uh, got us all around the uh, around the computer. And at one time, uh, Benji, my, uh, my my son, uh, he and his wife Shelby are there, and I said, Oh "I want to show you a picture that uh, that I took recently." He held it up to the camera, and it was a picture of uh, that simply said "pregnant." It was the results of a pregnancy test, and so uh, we've got another grandchild on the way, which uh, we're we're thrilled about. It's their first and our fourteenth. So, thanks for asking. Only 14, 14. yeah, we've still still got a couple of others to go, so see what happens. Talking about Micah, last week we started the series in Micah and I said that he was a prophet who was called by God to be speaking to Samaria and to Jerusalem and they were the capital cities of Israel and Judah and these capital cities, as so often is the case, were representatives of these two nations. Micah is speaking to the two nations or the two cities uh, around the 8th century BC and he was a contemporary with other uh, prophets that uh, are well known he was contemporary with Isaiah and Amos, Hosea and Judah and that, that in itself tells us that uh, um, he was uh, somebody who or that the God was at this particular time very concerned about how things are going and he sent a whole lot of people uh, to talk into the situation um, one of the things that God is concerned about he says my people you've, you've sold your souls uh, justice was for sale truth depended on what you can afford uh, spirituality was determined by your ability to pay uh, these are the sorts of things that were going on and leaders were using their power and their privilege to take advantage of the poor and mislead the people along the way so God is not very happy about what's going on in his uh, in his cities. So God raises up Micah, sends him into that situation, a prophet from a country town that was just southwest of Jerusalem. In this particular sermon today, I want to look at two things. I want to first of all look at the character of God that lies behind this prophecy. You read uh, you read through this book and you you might you know certain wonder what is happening here and a bit concerned about some of the uh, some of the language uh, bloodthirsty language God is really angry. <laughs> I want to look at the character of God that lies behind uh, what is going on in this passage, and then I'd like to uh, spend a few minutes um, applying that to what it is to be a mum, the character of mothering today and that's already been raised in in a couple of the uh, testimonies and that's good. The character of God first of all as portrayed by Micah, the key verse of Micah is the verse that has been picked out by the Micah challenge and it's it's a, um, it's a challenge to us as God's people uh, to, to value what God values and we're going to be talking more about that next week. But uh, Micah chapter 6 and verse 8 is this key verse and it says he has shown you God has shown you people what is good what does the Lord require of you in other words what is really valuable to God to act justly to love mercy to walk humbly with your God so justice and mercy and faithfulness walking humbly with God is all about faithfulness what God requires of his people though is nothing short of what he requires of himself he is a God of justice. He is a God of mercy. And he is a God who is faithful uh, to all he is. And so God doesn't call his people uh, to be anything other than what he is. God calls his people to be just like him for many reasons. One of the reasons is so that he can be well represented in the world today to all of the nations. And it's when his people that, uh, um, that are called to be like him go so far astray from what it is to be God's people like they were at this particular time that he's particularly angry about that and he feels he has to deal with it but this is because this is his, his very essence uh, this is the character of God uh, God is just God is merciful and God is faithful so let's think about that the anger and the judgment that is predominant really in the book of Micah and, and in many of the prophets are expressions of his justice. They're expressions of his love for justice. Chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. The word of the Lord that came to Micah of Morisheth during the reigns of the various people who are mentioned there. Verse 2. Hear you peoples, all of you. Listen, earth and all who live in it, that the sovereign Lord may witness against you. The Lord... From his holy temple Look the Lord is coming from his dwelling place He comes down and he treads on the heights of the earth The mountains melt beneath him The valleys split apart like wax before the fire Like water rushing down a slope God is seen here as coming from heaven in anger Mountains are melting Valleys are splitting Rivers are flooding He is not a happy God This is the anger and the judgment of God here depicted verse 6 therefore I will make Samaria a heap of rubble a place for planting vineyards I will pour her stones into the valley and lay bare her foundation so he's saying that one of the cities that he's talking to Samaria the capital of the northern cities of the northern tribes he's saying will be a heap of rubble that's what happened uh, when the Assyrians attacked in 722 um, and then in chapter 3 and verse 12 He says therefore because of you Zion that's Jerusalem will be ploughed like a field Jerusalem will become a heap of rubble the temple hill a mount overgrown with thickets and so Jerusalem will also be a heap of rubble so both of the cities that he's talking to Samaria and Jerusalem because of God's anger and judgment Uh, God is saying through his prophet they're going to be mounds of rubble happened in 722 for Samaria and 586 under the Babylonians for Jerusalem and so these things came true this actually happened after it had been prophesied and so there's the anger and the judgment of God depicted these are not pleasant verses Uh, these are not pleasant verses for us to read and to reflect upon on this wonderful Mother's Day Uh, but God is here depicted as an angry God but notice that it's springing from his desire for justice in a deeply unjust society. Chapter 2 verses 1 and 2 Woe to those who plan iniquity, to those who plot evil on their beds. At morning's light they carry it out carry it out because it is in their power to do it. They covet fields and they seize them, houses and take them. They defraud people of their homes, they rob them, of their inheritance God is here saying the situation that I'm angry about is that you people are planning wrongdoing you're sitting around planning how you can rip everybody off uh, they're plotting it on their beds before they go to sleep they lie down and they think hmm what sort of wrongdoing will I do tomorrow <laughs> who will I rip off tomorrow what houses will I take what fields will, I, will I acquire? will I acquire simply because it is in my power to do it that's a terrible abuse of power and that's what God is hearing from these people they're plotting it on their beds they're carrying it out the next day they're getting land and houses because they want them and because they have the power to do it chapter 3 verse 9 hear this you leaders of the house of Jacob you rulers of the house of Israel who despise justice and distort all that is right who build Zion with bloodshed and Jerusalem with wickedness her leaders judge for a bribe her priests teach for a price and her prophets tell fortunes for money yet they lean upon the Lord and say is not the Lord among us no disaster will come upon us God is here saying that you leaders are despising justice and you're distorting what is right now remember this is coming from a God whose basic character is justice and he's not seeing it in his people they're guilty of bloodshed they're guilty of bribery they're guilty of evil economics and they encase it all in their religion. That must have been very hurtful to God. They're carrying all this out, and they're saying, "We're going to be okay. God is amongst us. <laughs> We're going to be okay. We can rip everybody off. We can treat. You know, we can be guilty of bloodshed. Well, God is amongst us. Nothing will happen to us." Uh, you read in Jeremiah, much later than this, uh, for a fuller picture of the. Uh, of of the essence of the character of the people in Jerusalem saying God is amongst us nothing's going to happen the Babylonians won't be able to get us and God is hearing this sort of stuff and he's angry about it their leaders are guilty of these things chapter 6 verses 11 to 12 the bloodshed finishes in a minute so just bear with me chapter 6 verses 11 to 12 shall I acquit a person with dishonest scales with a bag of false weights her rich people are violent, her inhabitants are liars, and their tongues speak deceitfully. And so their business leaders are no better than the other leaders that have been talked about. They've got dishonest business practices, their lies and deception are predominant, and they're mixed with their abuse of their wealth. These are the things that God is seeing amongst his people. Chapter 7, verse 1 What misery is mine? I am like one who gathers summer fruit at the gleaning of the vineyard. There is no cluster of grapes to eat, none of the early figs that I crave. The faithful have been swept away from the land. Not one upright person remains. Everyone lies in wait to shed blood. They hunt each other with nets. Both hands are skilled in doing evil, and the ruler demands gifts. The judge accepts bribes. The powerful dictate what they desire. They all conspire together. The best of them is like a briar. The most upright worse than a thorn hedge. The day of your watchman has come. The day God visits you. Now is the time of their confusion. Do not trust a neighbor. Put no confidence in a friend. Even with the woman who lies in your embrace. Be careful of your words. For a son dishonors his father. A daughter rises up against her mother. A daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies are the members of your own household this is a picture of all of society breaking down not one upright person remains the rulers are corrupt the political system Uh, the judges are corrupt the judicial system neighbours and friends can't be trusted community has broken down your marriage partner, your children, your in-laws all the family has broken down as well all of the pillars of society, politics, judicial system, uh, community, family, all of the pillars of society are corrupt within this. Uh, uh, at, at this particular time amongst God's people. God is angry at the way all of society is corrupt with the abuse of power and the flow-on effect that this has to all of the elements of the cities. He is coming in judgment because he sees great injustice And has to be addressed. That's the character of God. Lying behind the judgment and the anger. That we see dotted throughout the book of Micah. Mm, But there's another story. There's a story of mercy. Because God is a God not only of justice. But God is a God of mercy. Chapter 2 verse 12. I will surely gather all of you Jacob I will surely bring together the remnant of Israel I will bring them together like sheep in a pen like a flock in its pasture the place will throng with people one who breaks open the way will go up before them they will break through the gate and go out and their king will pass through before them the Lord at their head, God is here depicted as a God of mercy who is going to bring his people back together again and who is going to bless them and then we get the verses that were read to us this morning in chapter 7 uh, verses 18 to 20 about the character of God he will bring his people back together again he will do this why because his character is a character of mercy and so how is that expressed well it's expressed in pardon and forgiveness we uh, we had those verses read to us there is wrongdoing going on there is great injustice going on but God because he's a God of mercy is willing to both pardon and to forgive he won't stay angry forever these verses tell us he doesn't hold grudges uh, he delights to show mercy uh, to, even to the people who are involved in the wrongdoing he is a God of compassion he is a God of love All of those characteristics come through the uh, chapter 7, verses 18 to 20. You see, the first picture of God is that God is into social justice. So the things that are not right (coughs) are addressed and are corrected and justice overcomes. God is in to social justice, but he's also in to social mercy. (laughs) He is also into uh, to social grace, if you like, where he's a God... Uh, who delights to show mercy so that even wrongdoers are loved into doing what is right, righteousness? He is a God of mercy. He is this way because his essential nature is one of mercy and he must be faithful to who he is. And that brings us to the third characteristic of God that we see lying behind this. Yes, he's a God of justice and he gets angry. He comes in judgment upon the sort of injustices that we see right across the book of Micah. But he's a God of mercy who comes willing to restore, willing to forgive, uh, willing uh, to to, to love with compassion. And that's because he's a God of faithfulness. Chapter 4, verse 9. Why do you now cry aloud Have you no king? Has your ruler perished? That pain seizes you like that of a woman in labor. Writhe in agony, daughter Zion, like a woman in labor, for now you must leave the city to camp in the open field. You will go to Babylon, and there you shall be rescued, and there the Lord will redeem you out of the hand of your enemies. But now many nations have gathered against you and they say Let her be defiled, let your eyes gloat over Zion But they do not know the thoughts of the Lord They do not understand his plan Who gathers them like sheaves to the threshing floor Rise and thresh daughter Zion For I will give you horns of iron I will give you hooves of bronze And you will break to pieces many nations And you will devote their ill-gotten gains to the Lord Their wealth to the Lord All of the earth God is here saying that they're going to suffer from some pretty horrible things. They're going to suffer exile in Assyrian cities and Babylonian cities. Go through some pretty horrible stuff. But in the midst of all of that, God is faithful to his promises. His promises of restoration. His promises that will fulfill his plan of well-being. His plan of shalom for the city of Jerusalem especially. Uh, this comes out in uh, Jeremiah 29 I've preached on that passage here before and I'm sure it's a passage that uh, many people have spoken on in this place but Jeremiah 29 is a letter to the exiles in Babylon many years later after 586 and they're there in in, in, in the midst of exile in, in Babylon and God comes to them and says look you're going to be here for 70 years uh, quite different to what the, the uh, false prophets were saying who were saying eh, I'll just wait don't unpack your bags you'll be back very soon uh, Jeremiah comes in and says no you're going to be there for 70 years and so settle down and become a part of the city for the well-being of, of Babylon but then in, uh, in chapter 29 verses 10 to 15 um, uh, God through his prophet Jeremiah says well, I know the plans I have for you I haven't forgotten you You're going through some really hard times But I know the plans Plans of restoration Plans to make you great again And that's what uh, Micah is, is here saying Many years before that Saying God knows his plans God remembers his plans God is a faithful God At times when we're in the midst of hard times We, we, we question that don't we? we We wonder you know, does God remember what he's doing What he's promised And Micah is here saying In the midst of all the mess That's going on God knows he is faithful and of course in chapter 5 verses 1 to 4 the ultimate result of his faithfulness will be found in the coming of Christ to Bethlehem Ephratah in those verses in chapter 5 verses 1 to 4 we have the prophecy that uh, Christ is coming that a saviour, a king will be born in Bethlehem Ephratah and so the the great fulfilment of God's promises, of God's plan for his people, for us, is the coming of the Messiah uh, to uh, to Bethlehem so many years later. God hates injustice because he is faithful to who he is. God is merciful because he is faithful to who he is. Our confidence is in a God of justice and mercy because he is a faithful God. Chapter 7, in verse 7 but as for me I watch in hope for the Lord I wait for God my Saviour my God will hear me a wonderful statement of trusting God in the midst of all of the mess why because the prophet knows that God is a faithful God the character of God lying behind the book of Micah is that God is just just God is merciful and God is faithful well, what about mothering how does that apply to the role of being a mum uh, my mum wasn't raised in a Christian home and uh, she, uh, her dad died um, even before my mum was born and her mother died when she was 17 she was walking down a particular street on a Sunday night in Sydney and uh, a church was open, and uh, a church service was going on. She wandered in and she uh, she heard the preacher say that God can be a father to the fatherless and a mother to the motherless and uh, when mum would tell me that story, she'd say, "I've never heard uh, God mentioned since then as a mother to the motherless. you know many times it might be heard that he can be a father to the fatherless." Uh, but I've never heard it mentioned again, that he can be a mother to the motherless. My mother was a very early feminist, you see. She uh, talked about uh, God and his uh, His uh, characteristics uh, that were very similar to a mother. And it's very true in Scripture. You see, God is neither male nor female. God is spirit. And God has characteristics uh, that... Uh, uh, the, the, the traits that we oftentimes today apply in our society to a mum rather than to a dad and God can be all of what the motherless person needs because of these traits and so we take these traits of God as seen here in, uh, in, in Micah and apply them to what it is to be a mum anger and judgement what do you reckon? nothing like a mother when she senses that her child is being wrongly treated heaven help the abusers it says here it depicts God as coming and the mountains are falling apart and what does did, what did it say that comes down and treads the heights of the earth the mountains melt beneath him. the valleys split apart like wax before the fire like an angry mum when she senses that her child is being abused. Uh, when I was on uh, council in the city of Melbourne, a part of my uh, portfolio was to look after childcare centres. And there was a time in the city of Melbourne where it was uh, the, the the city was questioning whether some of their childcare centres that were run by the council uh, should be uh, privatised and given over to private providers. And uh, there was uh, some outraged mums, some childcare centre. Uh, mums related to them because their children attended them who were ropeable that this might happen and I held a meeting with them and it was one of the most difficult meetings I think that uh, I I ever experienced while I was there I I had meetings with very angry indigenous elders from time to time um, meetings with very angry building developers because they weren't getting what they wanted um, angry uh, residents because the building developers were getting what they wanted and uh, angry gay couples because they weren't being recognised in various ways. I met with a lot of angry people across those years. But those childcare mums, they were really frightening. <laughs> in fact, it got so that it became a bit of a joke with my other counsellors and they might come into my office and say, oh, by the way, David, there's a group of childcare mums waiting for you out. <laughs> We can rely upon our mums to seek justice for us, can't we? Uh, when things are perceived as going wrong for their kids, mums will stand up and say, this isn't going to happen. But thank God mums are merciful as well. Maybe not towards the abusers, but they're merciful. They're mums, they're people who show mercy. They're good forgivers as well. Uh, to be disciplined by mum. And then, to receive that reassurance that everything is all right is a precious thing indeed, and so the uh, the the anger uh, the righteous anger, if you like, the appropriate anger of a mum uh, is coupled with the mercy of a mum who is able to forgive, and of course, the faithfulness of mum we can always trust our mums to be mums, we'll always trust our mums to be just that because they're faithful to their calling through the hardest of times for the sake of their children we could tell many stories around these three characteristics but you get the idea Uh, the character of God he looks at his people and they're being abused the abuse of power is a shocking thing and the results of that are just ugly and God sees that and he says I'm not going to put up with this anymore the character of God is seen in a faithful mother but God says but I I, I love my children so much (laughs) I want to make sure that they go through this discipline but that they're restored and they're loved and they feel my compassion once again that's a very motherly thing to do why because God is faithful to who he is as God why because a mother is faithful to who she is as a mum So God is just and merciful and faithful and we're called to be exactly the same, not just as mothers but as human beings. For all of us have that calling of God upon us to be like him, to hate injustice, to hate injustice to the point of being angry enough to do something about it when we see it in our society. Uh, We're called (coughs) to, uh, to be merciful, sometimes that's even harder to extend mercy to those who need mercy. And we're called to be faithful in all of our relationships as God's people. I want to come back to that calling next week as we look at that Micah 6.8 applied to our lives in the everyday of the city. But for now, thanks to all the mums who are just and merciful and faithful from all of us kids really need it let's pray God we thank you so much that you are a God of justice and of mercy and of faithfulness we thank you that uh, you have given us such a high calling and we especially thank you this morning for our mothers for the mothers gathered here who seem to do that really well Uh, Where any of us fail to do it really well, we would pray that you would forgive us and you would help us to recognise the opportunities to be like you throughout this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.